This is Frontierland with Dr. Dean Allen. As a young schoolgirl growing up in apartheid South Africa, Elinda Vorster dreamed of one day running in the Olympic Games. At the age of 26, she would eventually get her wish when South Africa were readmitted to the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. With a personal best of 11.22 seconds in the 100 metres and 22.58 in the 200 metres, Linda had qualified to compete in these flagship Olympic events after coming first in the African Championships that year. From her home in Bloemfontein, Linda looks back here on Frontierland on her athletic career and 1992, the time of her life. She talks of her relationship with Zola Budd and how she made friends with Cathy Freeman, the Australian Aboriginal runner who would go on to be the face of the 2000 Games in Sydney. Today, Linda coaches aspiring athletes to follow their own dreams and to become the next generation of Olympians. Champions such as Wade Van der Kirk, who have been coached by Elinda, can certainly testify to her passion for her sport and for her country. Enjoy. Elinda, it's lovely to meet you in your hometown of Bloemfontein. Amongst other things, you are now an athletics coach encouraging the next generation of South African athletes. But 31 years ago, you were preparing to compete yourself as a sprinter in the 1992 Summer Olympics in Barcelona. Does it feel a long time ago? Actually, for me, it feels like it's a long time ago when I think when we're aging, when we started aging and you see all those young kids and generations, then you realize it's a long time ago. But fortunately for me, I was always in the athletics, so it's not like a thing in the past. It's still in my life today, but I think if you think like the, the age, 1992, it's like, oh my goodness, because the young kids, they don't know who I am. I mean, that's, they only know this Usain Bolt and all the new stars. So when you think back on the date, it feels like a very long time. But when I'm thinking athletics, it's still so big part of my life. It's not a thing of the past. It's still continuously something big in my life. Well, certainly, and we're actually uh, conducting this interview in your private gym at your home because, as I said, you're very much involved in training the next generation of athletes. And on the wall around, I can see your glory years. I can see you, um, very fit young lady, of course, very fast young lady. Um, we've got a picture here of you within the within the, the the arena at the 92 Olympics actually in the front line leading out the uh, the South African team but we know that the 1992 games were significant of course as this was when South Africa were readmitted to the Olympics for the first time since 1960 as athletes at the time were you aware of the significance of that I think we really did look very forward to compete at that stage when the late 80s we had very good athletes like Johan Fury and he was unfortunately he could not compete so some of the athletes really wished that they could actually run an olympic because i think that the, the main thing every athlete wants to compete in an olympics that's your highlight because it's really something that everybody work works for i really think in your mind when you start doing any sport you're thinking of the day when you're going to be at the olympics it's just that highlight so I really think that that was sort of like a big thing for everybody and they also wished that they could have competed there really. So I was really fortunate to do that. I remember <clears throat> we were having a holiday in um, Umslanga Rocks and then on the news I said we could compete perhaps the next year um, in the Olympics. and. 
um, it's like they will tell us within a month and I told myself I was like in the bath and I hear it from the news over the television and I decided come what may I will be in that team I just made a commitment um, I will go and it's a thing in your head and I think everybody that was running at that stage wanted to be in that 92 squad because you grew up as a generation that didn't have international competition because of the politics in this country. As sportsmen and women, were you aware of the politics and how it affected sport? I think, you know, when you're a sport people, a sport person actually, you don't really think about it because you mix all the time with a lot of other cultures. Because athletic is also a thing from when you were young, there was a lot of middle distance people and you made friends like for instance me and Marcel Winkler <clears throat> when we were running the sprint she was like very fast out of the blocks <laughs> but she was like really our my friend as well she was it was very nice you didn't see color there so I think when you're in the same boat you really don't see something else so for us we did know about the polit politics but we didn't think it would Effect, you know that, that what happened in the past, but you don't think about it when you're doing the sport. Everybody's like one team, so you actually don't really you, you hear and you know, but it's not a thing, you just don't get distracted because of that. I think it's today, it's much more that could distract you than it was in our years. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, athletics has been your, your life, really. I mean, you began competing with the seniors at, at the age of 15, which is quite incredible. But you were actually age 26 at the time um, when you went to the Olympics, which is relatively old for a sprinter. So it was always your dream to get there, regardless of age. I remember my coach said to me, when I was 14 years old, we were sitting in the school, uh, at my first year in high school, and he asked, a question who wants to go to the Olympics and I was the only one standing up and said I'm gonna go and all the other children were like sitting there and look at me okay where are you going <laughs> so that was in 1979 I think wow. so but I decided in my in my head I remember that you had all you know the Wimbledon I followed Wimbledon from little age when I was in school and I always dreamed about running overseas and competing in Europe it was always something in my mind although I was little like 14 13 but there was always that desire to go outside so for me it was like I'm training I'm gonna like compete someday I just didn't think about I cannot go Amazing. You know, As fate would have it, 1992 brought you that opportunity that you dreamed of since a little girl. Um, it's quite amazing. So as we see this image, as I said, here in your, here in your gym, um, we can see that you're actually part of the flag party at the opening ceremony. Um, this was at a time, of course, when South Africa didn't even have a flag, an official flag, because we were obviously changing over that period between the old and the new in terms of democracy. But I can see there you're walking along proudly uh, with Alana Mayer, and, and I believe you even roomed with none other than Zola Budd. Yeah. I mean, can you tell me a little bit about them in particular and some of the characters in the squad? Yes, um, when we were like very young, me and Zola were the, always the two little ones that went with the varsity teams. Because at that stage, um, 
we had like um, meetings that that actually used me and her she was also like she's a year younger than me then we had to do some team makers and help the varsity and the free state squad to get some points so I actually know her from school days and then because she was from Bloemfontein as well um, she did went to Britain for for a while and then when she came back I mean we just catch up the one thing about the sport it's like you can see somebody now and from 10 years you can just continue your relationship that's the one thing I think I adore of sports Sport people are like what they are you see what you get they cannot pretend especially when you live together and when you train together you cannot pretend anything else so you are what you are so and you grow up like that and um, uh, of course you mature but that I think that characteristics that you actually grew up with and in the sport inside you um, I think will always be there and uh, Zola she actually knew the announcer that was um, doing the, uh, the Barcelona Olympics and um, she had a flat there and some of this um, times when we have a, we had like two or three off days and then we went to the flat and just get outside and see Barcelona like the town as well so she had very good connections because of her past um, athletic career so that was very nice but Zola is just Zola she's just uh, like always and she's still the same and then now with Alana Mayer that she's moved back from the States they're now living in Stellenbosch do you ever see them Zola, um, when she was, I do see her sometimes when she's come down here for coffee or when they have a little bit of a business here, yeah? but she did WhatsApp me, so um, we watch up each other at this stage. I did saw her last year at um, the South African Athletics Senior Track and Field, then she came to visit and we were talking and I have a little bit of a tea and something like that. She's clearly yeah. a, a proud South African, as I said, she's moved back to, to South Africa from the States. And then of course she was forced to compete for Britain um, during the 1980s, the big uh, incident that was known throughout the world, but certainly in Britain as the famous incident in the 1984 Olympics and, uh, you know, when she tripped that famous American um, athlete, or there was, a, there was certainly a clash. And I just felt at the time there was this incredibly um, shy, small, petite, um, but talented athlete from Africa running barefoot and there she was thrust into the middle of the world's sort of gaze but in, 90, in 1992 she wore the green and gold of South Africa and I think she was more happy than ever wasn't she? Yes, I think it was also a very big dream for her to compete for South Africa in the Olympics. Um, like her, her past wasn't so... The people actually, what happened to her is actually she was so young and everything just happened so fast and then they just put in again the politics there. So for her it was really like a lot of pressure and it wasn't nice for her. She couldn't be actually what she wanted to be I think because of all the pressure. And um, when she started actually to train again, she actually had a, a, two years before that she was in actually not running that well and then she came back and I think for her it was a victory to come back as an athlete again and to be proud to be in the Olympic team again so for her it was an achievement for her just to sit to be on the top side of the world again so I, I think that was very nice for her that she could compete at least for South Africa again and Barcelona one of the most beautiful cities in the world of course and I visited the Olympic Park myself it's a spectacular place overlooking the city 
What was it like to be an Olympic athlete though in Barcelona? And I've heard that athletes' villages are very social places. Yes, but I must tell you, you know, the one thing, we were sitting with the opening ceremony in the gymnastic hall just across the, the stadium. And I'm telling you, we were all, all the South Africans were like, all South Africans, they were sitting and we were like, we hear the roar inside because I started the whole opening ceremony without the athletes first. At, at that stage, they did it, and when they completed the whole ceremony with the opening ceremony for the people outside, then they started to call all the athletes to come inside and uh, to introduce um, themselves. And as you can see, we were the first that stepped outside because we were welcomed back. It was huge. I'm still getting goosebumps. We were sitting in that hall at the gym, gymnastic hall there. And we all say to each other, we are here. This is happening now. Wow. And we were like, sort of like, most of us were sort of like crying because you, you couldn't actually believe what is happening now. And you you hear this roar. The whole time you hear this roar and they said they're going to introduce us now. And all of those people, they stand up like a Mexican wave. I'm telling you, that was most, most amazing. Amazing memories. Um, Going down to the actual performances, you did you did incredibly well. You reached the semi-finals of both the 100 and 200 meters in those Olympics. But earlier that year, you were actually first in the African Championships in Mauritius. I believe you then competed in the Euro on the European circuit for a while. How was that? And more importantly, how did you fund your athletics career? I worked um, actually in the um, in the army for a while, and then. Um, I decided that I have to like in 1992 so I did have a little bit of saving money so then we also two weeks before the Olympics we had like the Volkswagen meeting in Port Elizabeth and um, they said they're going to take five athletes from that meeting to go to Ingolstadt to compete in Germany for two meetings there so I decided also I want to be one of those people. So they took us over two weeks before this Olympic team. I didn't travel with the team. So it was me and Gwen van Lingen, um, who actually, we and Ilona was also part, but she um, decided to, she, she did run a, another other meeting. So she didn't go with us, but Andries Forster, so we had the opportunity to compete just before the Olympics and that made a huge difference because we actually we could, could climb uh, tight at, at that site and we could a little bit more conceive what's going to happen with us. So we were like, I, I think when we got into the village, we were like sort of like okay this is not our first meet we've been already introduced to other international athletes who also prepared at that those meetings for Barcelona Ben Johnson was at the same meeting then I was running in Ingolstadt and I remember I ran 11 to 2 I ran the record there in I don't I think it still stands there for the hundred meters so and Ben Johnson coach come to ask me one if I want to come and train with him the, the next day so we did some start 
lot together so I was sort of like introduced with other athletes before I went into the village so that actually helped us quite a lot and I think I was more relaxed the group of the, the South Africans when they landed there everything was new to them the village and everything and I was sort of more like in a competition mode and they were in like this huge thing that's happening to them so I think that's why perhaps I was more confident to do well because I really run my best times I was so confident because I know I'm on my top I'm here and I just have to repeat it yeah and you went on to um, run on that European circuit for a while afterwards I mm. believe and and also was there any money involved in athletics at the time yes yes there, there was you have like at that stage we had four golden leagues um, that you could have um, actually competed in so I was privileged to run Oslo um, where it's the middle distance mecca actually so I did compete in that one um, big meet so you did get an agent um, and then they represent you so you get a little bit of appearance money and the small meetings in Germany um, that time it was Deutsche Marks so I think if I must remember it was about 3,000 Rand in that years if you won and I did won two races so I did have a little bit of, it's not a huge pack of money but for us it was like huge something that we can start off so it pay your way for a while so what I, what I was actually fortunate and then to have some meetings after the Olympics that was already set for me so I, I actually did make a little bit money not a lot but I could pay my way for the next five years every time that I ran in Europe were people intrigued that this blonde South African that has now emerged onto the scene of course you've been around for, for a while running of course at a decent level do you think there was a novelty factor that a South African was now competing in the international um, arena again yes it was definitely definitely especially um, I think because I know the one meeting there was a USI, USA lady she asked well where are you coming from girl <laughs> and because we were there we would we they didn't see us anyway when I ran especially also that 11 to 2 where are you coming from so um, it was like we just smiled and said yeah we're just back <laughs> So I, I think it, it's like they were very like also intrigued with us. I also remember the one thing that I would never forget then. Um, Kathy um, Freeman. Kathy Freeman, Kathy of course, Freeman. the Aboriginal lady. I remembered on that circuit, my first circuit, we were running in Germany as well. And the bus was fully packed, fully, fully packed. And then Kathy went coming to the bus. And I was like sitting there and I said, oh, come here, sweetie. And I was like, I didn't even know, you know, you, you don't know. This is, it was also her first um, actually circuit. And she was sitting next to me and then she beat me in the 200. She ran 22.51 and I 22.8. <laughs> I was like, who the hell are you? <laughs> and then we sort of like, it was so funny because she remembered me because I gave her some, just a sitting chair next to me. Nobody else wanted to do that. And within two years, she was the Olympic champion. But she always remembered that little part. And she always asked around where I was because I, I was telling her there was a lot of fun that was going on. I mean, when we went to Europe, everything was new. So we had to, we really did get lost. And there was a lot of stories that could be told. And then I tell her all the stuff and she was like laughing. And she always wanted to look me up and want to ask, what happened again to you? 
Oh, that's lovely. I mean, Kathy Freeman, what a story as well, of course, given her background Jeez. from Australia. So yeah. it's, it's, it's ironic, isn't it, that yeah. uh, someone from an Aboriginal background is attracted to a South African. Yeah. I mean, almost both outcasts in many yeah. respects, but you've come yeah. on, and certainly Kathy Freeman is probably one of the most well-known um, athletes from that, that yeah. era, isn't for sure. she? Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, it was like we were in the same boat, and she just, two years after that, it was like, wow. It's a, no, it's a lovely, lovely story, but almost yeah. a, 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 in those early 90s, as I said, as you came back to the international arena, it's almost a, a time of sort of innocence where you were just exposed to this international sort of uh, coverage and competition and you just went out and, and ran and you did really well as well. I think the, the main thing, it was such a huge thing for me just to compete there. So I actually... I made it. It was like a thing. Yes, you really made it, and you just make the the best of it. That's the main thing. I've got a really like strong mind, I think, and I've, I'm a very goal orientated. So if I decided on something, I just do it. I don't really care about what's going on next to me. I'm in my zone. And I must tell you, you know, all that people in Barcelona. When I was standing, I still cannot remember. I I hear the roar. But I couldn't remember the crowd cheering. I was so focused. That's the one thing that actually when I was thinking back and I realized I was so focused, I didn't hear anything around me. So that, that I must say, was like, I was so like to do well. I wanted to do so well, you know. You just focus and you just forget about what's going on all you know all the all the actually the spectators i do also remember there were some people there in the arena that did shout my name and wave i think it was not a lot but when they were south african they were like screaming because i think most of the people went actually to go and see ilana as well and um when she ran she it was actually late in the evening and we all the south africans went into the 200 mark and we went to cheer her and all the other people we went outside and to because there was a part that only athletes could could actually um be in that pavilion there so we moved all the south africans moved to the 200 meter mark so all the spectators and then we could see who came to watch us where our friends and everything that we saw in south africa so that was very very amazing when she actually ran that 10,000 meters Cool, what a memory that is. Now you've got, we're obviously sitting here in, in the wonderful Free State and you've got many connections with the Eastern Cape. Um, our listeners predominantly from the Eastern Cape, of course, and uh, you, you ran for years with the fellow, your fellow sprinter, Mareka Debel, of course, famous lady from the Eastern Cape. And I believe your son now is a doctor. Yes, um, that's in, great. In, in the rural areas. Um, yes. So do you get down to see him much? No, we don't really. I only saw him, um, he did study medicine and then he had to do his community year now. So this is now the last year and then we will just see what happens. He's at the TB clinic in uh, Port Elizabeth at this stage. Wow, he's doing great so work. I just want to tell you something about Mareka. This is a very, very nice story. Me and she were running when we were 15 years old. We were actually on the 100 meter line and at that stage we were a year younger than the other girls. And we were looking at each other and we started to laugh and then we connected and we were friends forever. But the most amazing thing happened in Barcelona. The, uh, the athletes were sitting um, in that one corner, say for instance it's group A, where all the athletes could sit. And I was looking to my right and then who I saw, Mareka and Chris, they also flight 
to watch the Olympics and I just went crazy because I couldn't believe she is sitting about 10 meters from me in this whole crowd can you imagine my best friend sitting there and I was like running all over this um, the, the, the safety guard people because they were like stop 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 and I said no no I'm going to my friend and we, we were like sitting I remember I finished the 100 meters and I, I said to them Reike, I don't know how I'm going to start tomorrow the 200 because I'm so stiff <laughs> and we were laughing and she said oh Elinda you, you did, you made it till you, you just have to go through it. We were just talking about it. it was the only one that I could tell her how stiff I was because she did understand. But it was really, I couldn't believe when I was sitting and I look right and I say, Da is Marijke. Amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. I'm telling you, that was very amazing. Was Starting wonderful. from the age of 15 together yeah. to your your greatest moment to yeah. see your best friend yeah. sitting in the stands yeah. I mean yeah. that, that what a wonderful yeah. story you now coach young athletes from here in your base at Bloemfontein can I ask what does the future look like for South African athletes I think the future is because they are privileged the younger kids they they're actually from I think they have like this year if I can just tell what's going on in this year they're gonna be in Trinidad Tobago they're gonna be a youth um, Commonwealth team so from 16 and 15 years of age the South African people they can actually represent South Africa so Saskok still have to decide how many they're going to take but they had something that we didn't have so from a young young age they can actually see the world and see what's going on um, everything actually changed because the way that I actually trained I, I learned the, the, the right principles but I remembered when I went to Barcelona I had to actually teach myself about gym nobody at our stage on that side did actually gym so when we got there you see you have to gym otherwise you're not gonna make it so as for me I had to learn as a coach how gym is working how's it working with your track and so I'm actually privileged to, to teach the children here in my gym as you can see all the Swiss balls and how to actually train them from 13 years because they start when they when um, they're 13 with me and then I take them for the next five years and how they develop that is the most amazing thing for me about coaching to see this kid how they actually develop their whole body and they actually their how characteristic um, actually um, personalities you know when, when you got a kid here and they just produce I've got this one a child Natasha she didn't speak about for one year with me and last year she was a year younger and I actually prepared her to run with the seniors and just see if she could qualify and then she did she went to world juniors now she was like uh, a year younger but she's privileged now in within two years she will be the right age group so she, she did see what's going on there and then actually now um, she could do very very well she know what she's working now for the next two years she know why she's here so that makes a huge difference I mean we did train and hope that we could run but the kids today um, have a lot of privilege um, to actually see the world and grew up I mean that is really amazing so I think um, 
we have to be positive. We always have to be positive. So, um, and the kids that I also work with, and all your sport people are very positive. So I'm, I, I am positive about the young athletes and the, the generations. Well, I just hope you keep up the good work. Your passion for the sport is clearly there. I've loved this uh, walk down memory lane with you. It's been an incredible uh, journey. I've always been fascinated by 1992 and that Olympic Games. And to think of those South African athletes that were there and to think that you dreamed of being there since uh, since your, your school days and you actually made it come true. Um, well done and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. It was a privilege to talk to you. That was Frontierland with Dr. Dean Allen. For more podcasts, visit algoafm.co.za.